tonight we're going to be looking at Genesis, and we've been going through the life of Joseph. And today we're going to be looking at the moment where Joseph reveals to his brothers who he is. And we've been following Joseph's life, life and, and so today we're going to be looking at how they came together, and basically it, the word is reconciliation that we're going to be looking at. And so I wanted to start out by just talking about the fact of sometimes if you have kids, you understand that there are going to be disagreements and there are going to be arguments. And if you don't, that means you don't have kids or you only have one. And so this, it's always going to happen. I know that like last year, we're, we're getting ready to head out to go to Vermont to visit my mother. And I love it. We go out there. We spend some time with her. I've got an aunt and an uncle that live on a lake. I've got another uncle and aunt that, so I just said aunt and aunt, just in case, depending on what part of the country you're from, so, um, that live on another lake. So we get a chance to, to go out and just enjoy being out on the lake. I love being on the water. And so last year we went out, and it was Stephanie, Tyler, my two youngest, and, and myself out in the water. I had a pool noodle, and I was sitting there trying to float using that. Tyler had a, um, a, a tube. And I think Stephanie had, like, the lounge, or it may have, may have been that Stephanie started with the noodle, and I had the lounge because I'm the dad and I should, you know, that floats in the water, and then Tyler had the noodle, or the, the tube. So in the end, we, we're sitting there going, all right, we've got to make, it a, make a way to make it to where this is kind of more even. So within three or four minutes, all of a sudden, Stephanie has the tube and the lounge, and Tyler and I are hanging on to the noodle. And all I hear from Stephanie is, this is what I like compromise and so that's what a lot of times and, and so I, I told her I, said, I don't really think you understand that word but that's what we think of if compromise is what is how am I going to get what I want out of it and then life will be okay and for me when I when I look at reconciliation and, and, and reconciliation the the definition is the act of causing two people or groups to become friendly again after an argument or disagreement if there's ever a time for us to be talking about reconciliation in our country today, is it not now? When you look at what's going on around in our society, everyone's talking about how can we reconcile? How can we, we bring people back together again? But the problem is most times you hear this, they're talking about it from a human standpoint. And humanly speaking, what happens is I will reconcile and I'll make right with you as long as you do what I want. As long as you say what I want or act the way I want, then we can be reconciled. But it hardly ever comes down to where we're going to humble ourselves and put someone else ahead of ourselves. But that's what God is talking about when he talks about reconciliation. And we think about it in a marriage. I, I've been married to, to Susie for, what year is this? 60, 26 years. And, um, and so for the first three years of marriage, I can tell you that it, there wasn't, a lot of joy when it came to our marriage with Susie. I was, I was a knucklehead. I'm still a knucklehead, but for the first three years, it was pretty bad. So there wasn't a lot of joy there. And I can tell you from then on, though, it's been nothing but joy for her. I mean, up till today. So you can ask her, and I think she'll totally agree with that. But, but we went through some struggles, and I was just trying to figure out this whole thing of being married and, and not doing it very well. Until I finally, I finally got to the point where I was like, I'm trying to do this on my own. And I've got to get to the point where I just say, God, I've got to give it to you. 
That's the only way this is going to work the way that you want it to work. So we went through that time of, of reconciling, of coming back together and, and saying, we've got to, we've got to, it was like we were apart, but in a sense, I was kind of apart from where I was supposed to be in that marriage. So when we think about reconciliation, that we have two people or groups that become friendly again after an argument or a disagreement, we look at it and we say, this is what's going on when it comes to Joseph and his brothers. <clears throat> they have an argument or, or a disagreement. If you want to call being sold as a slave and, and basically you know, thrown, thrown in a pit to die a disagreement, all right, but, but um, we're going to look at, kind of summarize what's going on there and, as far as reconciling together. But I wanted to start by saying that a lot of times reconcilia- reconciliation can happen. But I also understand there are times when it just can't. There are times when you're in a situation where you can't reconcile with that person because of something that happened or, or you know, they're unwilling to or maybe they're dead or whatever the case may be. They, they, you can't have that reconciliation. And so I understand there are times when that's not going to happen and it just it isn't possible to happen because of the situation. But for a lot of the other times, I want to look in and say, what does the Bible teach us about coming back together? If we have a conflict with somebody else, whether it's a family member or a friend, I've talked to numerous people who sit there and say, I've got, I've got a problem with somebody, and they, they're in the same church, and sometimes they're in the same service, and they have to figure out, how am I going to sit so that they don't see me? And, and I'm sitting there, we have to figure out a way that you can work, work through that and figure out a way. How, how can you make it to where you can maybe not be the best of friends, but you can at least have some kind of reconciliation there? Romans 12:18. It says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Another version, it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. As much as you can do to make the situation right, the Bible says, do that. Then you've got to leave the rest to God. But he's given us part of it to say, you do everything that you can do. And make sure that you can stand before God and say, I know that I've done everything I can do to make this relationship right. So we're going to look at, we look at Joseph's life, just kind of um, just recap as we get up to, we're going to be moving up to Genesis chapter 42. And so, so Joseph is the favorite son. His dad gives him this cool coat, and Joseph is probably like, check it out, I'm the youngest, and I've got this cool coat that you don't have. Then he ends up having a dream, and his dream basically came out to where it said that his brothers, his his Ten older brothers are going to bow down before him. And then he has the nerve to sit there and go, hey, let me tell you about my dream to his brothers. That, I'm sure that always goes over well, doesn't it? So he goes, you guys are going to bow down to me. You know, and, and obviously they didn't like that, and, and we end up seeing later that they, they, they talked about that. So his brothers, he goes out to, to check on his brothers. His father sends him out to check on his brothers. His brothers say, here comes that dreamer. Let's do something about it. They want to kill him. But the oldest brother says, no, let's not kill him. Let's sell him. And so they end up selling him as a slave. He comes into Potiphar's house. Potiphar works for the king of Egypt. So Potiphar is, is pretty high up in, in Egypt. Joseph comes in, and he, he shows that he is a worthy person. He shows he's an honorable person. So Potiphar basically puts him in charge of everything in his house. Potiphar, it, it, the Bible says that Potiphar, all he worried about what he was going to eat or drink. Everything else Joseph took care of, took care of all the affairs 
of, of the house and of that area. Potiphar's wife comes in and says, boy, this is a good-looking man. I want to be with him. Comes, comes after him to the, to the point where he's alone one time, and he takes off leaving his coat behind. He's accused of trying to, trying to attack her, thrown into prison. So he's in prison, not for a couple of days. He's in prison for years, and he's forgotten about. But then one day, all of a sudden, the king has a dream. The king of Egypt has a dream. And somebody says, hey, I remember this guy that I was in prison with. And he can interpret that. So Joseph comes up. He interprets the king's dream. So now he's not in Potiphar's house. He's in the king's palace. And it says that it it comes to the point where all of a sudden Joseph is second in command of the entire country. So he's second in command in Egypt. And all this came because of what happened when he was sold to start with. So that's where we kind of we we get to when we get to Genesis chapter 42. If you've got your Bibles... We're going to be in Genesis chapter 42, and then we're going to go to 45. But chapter 42, verses 1 through 10, it's on page 35 of the chair Bibles there, if you want to look at that. Let's read this here together. Genesis 42, 1 through 10. When Jacob heard, Jacob, Joseph's father, when Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Now go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. So Joseph's ten older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. But Jacob didn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with them for fear that some harm might come to him. So Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt along with others to buy food, for the famine was in, Can- was in Canaan as well. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain for all the people, it was, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from, he demanded. From the land of Canaan, he replied. We have come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. And he remembered the dreams he had about them many years before. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. No, my Lord, they explained, exclaimed, your servants have simply come to buy food. So we, we see that here is Joseph. He's the one giving out the food during this famine. People come to him. He determines who's going to get the food, how much. And so Joseph's father says, hey, you know what? We don't have any food. All the food's in Egypt. So he sends his brothers and he says, go, go get the food. Go, go up there. That's where the food is. So, but then it goes on and he says, interestingly, he didn't send Benjamin because after Joseph, Jacob had another son. And it was basically Jacob's, um, Joseph's biological actual brother. So jo- Joseph and, and Benjamin had the same mother with Jacob. And so this was Benjamin and, and, and Joseph were, um, what is it, the, you know, brothers whatever the word is there. It's like um, from the brother from the same mother. How's that? So, um, but so we, we look at this and so they obviously were tight. But Jacob said, I am not sending Benjamin with him because he's, obviously he's thinking, last time I sent my youngest son somewhere, he died. Because as, as far as Jacob knew, his brother, Joseph's brothers came back and said, he's dead. He got attacked and, he, and he's killed. 
So Jacob's like, I'm not sending Benjamin to have something happen to him. So he sends off the ten older brothers. They get there. They don't recognize Joseph. Now, you can imagine. It says that Joseph right away recognized them. This has been somewhere between 15 and 20 years. 15 to 20 years since Joseph and his brothers have parted ways, you know, when they, when they threw him in a pit and sold him. So as they come up, Joseph recognizes them. He's, he sees this, I know them. They don't recognize him because he's probably dressed like an Egyptian. And he's talking, and as you read through this passage, he uses an interpreter. So his brothers are, are speaking one language. He's speaking another, another foreign language. And so he's using an interpreter to speak to the brothers. Although he knows the language and he can understand what they're saying, he, wants, he doesn't want them to, to know that. So as they go through, they're talking. Later on, you see, they're talking, and, and they don't think that he can understand what, he, what they're saying. And he can hear everything. And we're going to see how that plays out. But then it comes up, and it says that as this is going on, as the brothers are bowing down before him, Joseph remembers his dream that one day his brothers would bow down before him. Joseph was a godly man. Joseph was a man who did what God wanted. And so if this would have been me, this is probably how I would have handled this. They bow down. I remember my dream. I take off my headgear and I go, yes, I told you, I told you this was going to happen. Do my little victory dance and, you know, like that. That that probably would have been me. But Joseph's like, no, he's he's, going to play this out. And we're going to look at why did he do this? Why did he mess with him so much? Because it looks like he's sitting there going, this is my revenge. All that you did now, you don't know who I am. Oh, I'm going to have some fun with this. And you, you look through this and, man, this would have been fun from a human standpoint to sit there and go, oh, we're going to have a great time with this. And so he sits there and he doesn't reveal who he is. And he goes and he, and he says, you're spies. He goes, you're here to try to spy out our land and find out where our weakness is because we have the food. And they're like, no, we're not. And it goes on, and, it, and, it's, and it says from chapter 42 to 45, what we have is those three chapters where the brothers and Joseph are going, going back and forth. Joseph says, do you have any other family members back home? He wants to know, how is his father doing? He hasn't seen his father in years. He wants to know, how is my brother from another mother, same mother, doing? How is Benjamin doing? I haven't seen him. And he wants, to, he wants to know how, how things are going. So he says, do you have any other brothers? We have one, and he's back home. So he tells them, I want you to go back. I want you to get your brother, and I want you to bring him back to me. And so they go through this time back and forth of what, what do we do? He throws them in prison, and they kind of struggle back and forth as far as what are we going to do? What are we going to do in this situation? So they end up going back to back home, bringing the food, and... And they, they brought the money to, to pay for the food. As they go back, Joseph takes the money that they had paid. He puts it back into their bags with the grain. And, and so he's basically giving them the grain, and he's giving them all their money as they go back. So they get back, and they see this, and now they're more scared. They're like, uh-oh, what, what just happened? How did, how did this happen? So they're back home, and then eventually they get to the point where they run out of food. And they said, and, and Joseph had told them, don't come back without your younger brother. 
And the, the, the whole thing, when we, when we look at all this going on, is, is that basically what's happening is Joseph is really trying to test him, to say, would you do what you did to me, to my brother, to Benjamin? Or have you changed? Have you changed from the way you were? And so Joseph's going through all this stuff, and he's, he's basically testing them. Then we get to verse 40, I mean, chapter 45, Genesis 45, page 38. And we read through this, and this is where they come back. And they, they finally come back. And as, we're, as we lead up to this, let me, let me kind of preface this, because Joseph's now going to reveal who he is finally to his brothers after all this time. But what happens is Joseph, for the second time, Joseph sends them back. They come back the second time with Benjamin. They get grain. They send it back. But he puts a silver cup. He puts his silver cup in Benjamin's bag. And as they leave, as soon as they leave, he goes to one of his, his high-up guards. And he says, I want you to go chase him down and, and look in Benjamin's bag and pull out that cup and say, why would you do this? Why would you steal from me, and from, you know, from, from Joseph? Or, well, obviously, they didn't know who, it was Joseph. So they start heading out. The guard comes down, stops them, reveals that. They come back. So now Joseph is saying, you know what? I'm going to keep him as a prisoner. The rest of you guys can go home. But I'm keeping Benjamin. And I'm going to keep this, this son, this um, brother here. He's going to stay because of his crime. And so Judah, one of the oldest brothers, steps up and he goes, please, Lord, let your servant say, say a word. And he basically comes through and he says, I've got a father back home. If he finds out that Benjamin isn't coming back, it's going to kill him. He is going to die. And he's also worried about what's going to happen to Benjamin. So Judah basically says, please, let me take his place. Let me be the one that goes in his place. Judah, in a sense, is representing what Christ did for us. Judah, being sinful, still said, I want to take his place. I want to be the one that takes the punishment that he might deserve. And so at this point, Joseph realizes they truly have understood what they've done. And so we get to, verse four, we get to chapter 45, and it says, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out, of, out all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? Okay, can you imagine for a second here what's going on? He just reveals that he's the brother that they just sold as a slave. And now he's the one who's pretty much in charge of this country. And, and then... Then he asks, is my father alive? And they're just like, <laughs> they're just like, uh, you know, it says they're speechless. They can't say anything. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said to the again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here and not you. He is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager 
of, of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your, Joseph, your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near me with all your children, grandchildren, and flocks and herds and, and everything you own. So we, we look at what's going on here, and we see that, that now Joseph's revealed himself, and he, there's a reconciliation that takes place. What I want us to do is just to kind of look for a couple minutes at what can we learn from this? What can we learn from what happened between um, these parties here? So we, we look at my notes, and we, we find the right ones here. So how to build it? Okay, give me one second here, and it's like I am literally going to cry. So I'm over it. So, um, so we look at it. And there's always two parties when there's when there's a conflict or a disagreement. There's almost always two parties involved. It's like a marriage. In a marriage, there's two parties: one who's always right, and the husband. Okay, we get that. We understand that. So in an argument or a disagreement, we have the same thing. There's these, these two parties here, and, and so we've got the brothers, and we've got Joseph. So the guilty party, if we look at how do you bring, how does reconciliation happen? The guilty party from the brothers is, first of all, they have to humble themselves. We look at Genesis 42, and we say, the brothers had to humble themselves. And Genesis 42, verse 21. It says, speaking among themselves, they said, clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, and we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. So you've got to come to the point where if we're the guilty party in a, in, a, in a relationship, and we know that we're the guilty party, unfortunately a lot of times when it comes to like a disagreement or an argument, we're never the guilty party. Isn't that amazing? If I have a disagreement with someone, they're the guilty party. They've got to deal with it. But we've got to be honest with ourselves and look at it and say, is there a part of this situation that I'm guilty of causing? And we've got to humble ourselves. Second is admit their guilt and take responsibility for their actions. So that's what they, they go on and says, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, Reuben asked? But you wouldn't listen. And now we have to answer for his blood. Of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood them for he would... He had been speaking to them through an interpreter. Now he turned away from them and began to weep. When he regained his composure, he, he started to speak to them again. So they come to the point where they humble themselves, and they sit there, and they, they admit what they've done, and then they truly repent. Genesis 44, 30 through 34. And this, and this is Judah speaking. And now, my Lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy, Benjamin. Our father's life is bound up in the boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We, your servants, will indeed be responsible for sending the grieving white-haired man to his grave. My Lord, I guarantee to my father that I would care for the boy. I told him, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear the blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy, and let the boy return to his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish that would cause my father. So we look at this, and truly repenting is, is not just saying, boy, I feel bad for something. True, repentance is 
God says, I want you to go this way. We decide we're going to go this way. Repentance is we're going to do a 180 and turn around and start going the direction that God wants. That's what repentance is. It's not just saying a lot of words. It's actually turning our lives around toward God and moving back toward God. We're walking away from God. To repent is to do a 180 and go back the other way. And so that's what's happening here is the brothers humble themselves, admit their guilt, and truly repent. So then you have the other side. y o u got Joseph. So what if I'm the person who is, like, sinned against? What if I'm the one that, that this person did something to me and hurt me? How do I handle it? What do I do with that? First thing is be willing to forgive. Genesis 45, 7 through 9. We read this. It said, God has sent me, Joseph says, ahead of you to, to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So Joseph understood this is why I'm in the place I'm in. This is why God put me where he put me. Because now I can save you and many others through all this. So he understood that it was God's plan through all this. So Joseph had to be willing to forgive them for what they had done. And then he had to be willing to let it go. Now I asked Susie if I could maybe start to sing a song right now, and she said I probably shouldn't. But if we wanted to let it go, and, you know, we could sit there and. We could all sing together, but we won't do that. But you have to be willing. He had to be willing to let it go. I can forgive, but am I willing to let it go and give it to God? If I've been offended, am I willing to say, all right, God, you know what? I know what I want to do, but I know what I should do. I need to just forgive them, let that go, and give it to God. And, and then the third thing is n- not to seek revenge. Now, that seems easy on the surface, but it's hard at times. If somebody's really hurt us, it's, it's easy to sit there and go, I want to get revenge. I want something to happen to them. And Romans 12, 17 and 18 says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And so when we look at that, We say there are things that we need to do if we're the guilty party.、And、there are things that the, the person who was sinned against has to do in order to make that relationship right. So if you're saying, hey, today I've got a relationship that is messed up, first of all, let's start with what part do you have in that? Is there a part that you have where you're guilty? How do you deal with that? Do you humble yourselves and admit that and repent of that? And then, if you're the party who's been offended, do you say, I'm, I'm willing to forgive? And I'm willing to just let it go? That seems so easy, but it's not easy. I can tell you from experience, that is hard to do. I want to flip this all on, our, on its head and end with what about our relationship with God? Let's look at our relationship with God, our part. We're the guilty party. When it comes to our relationship with God, we're the brothers in the story of Joseph and his brothers. We're the, we're the ones that are guilty. We have to humble ourselves. We've got to admit our sin. And we've got to truly repent. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we truly repent and we say, You know what, God? I messed up. We confess that. 
It says he's willing to forgive us. So just like the brothers had to sit there and they had to humble themselves, admit their sin, and truly repent, we've got to do the same thing in order to be made right with God. We've got to make sure that we're sitting there saying, I know that I messed up, God. I know that, that I'm the guilty party in this situation. And then when we do truly repent, it says God forgives. Again, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. God forgives us. And it says he lets it go. Psalm 103.12. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. As far as the east is from the west. I don't know which way it is, but that's how far God is, has removed our sins from us. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing that we can do to say, you know, God, remember this? God says, if you truly repented, I've forgiven it, and I don't remember it anymore. Now, that's pretty amazing when you think about that. And then he restores a right relationship with us. And it's so cool how God works. As I was putting this together, I was sitting there going, I want to find a verse that talks about how we, our relationship with God is restored. And I was looking through, trying to figure it, trying to find it, and I, and I couldn't get it. And all of a sudden, I, I have a, a text app. It's like a, a verse of the day that comes from one of the, the Christian radio stations. And, and it, I get a text every day at 930. And, and so I just put on there, instead of like the number it comes from, I put God. So when I get this text, it's like God writing me every day, and I get this verse. And so I was sitting there going, boy, I wish I could get a verse to, to fit in here. And within three or four minutes, all of a sudden, I get this text. I read it. And this is the verse that God sent me at that time. Romans 3.22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Now I'm sitting here going, thank you, God, that you would send that right when I needed it. Because I'm sitting here going, I know there's got to be some verses that fit here. And that came in right at the right time. And so I'm sorry for all those times I cursed my smartphone because it actually helped me this time. So, but it talks about the fact that says our, our right relationship with God is restored because of the fact that it says, God, place, if we faith our, place our faith in Christ, and it says that relationship is restored, and it's true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, no matter where you are at in your life, no matter what you've done, the Bible tells us, if you turn to God, if you admit your sin, humble yourselves, and repent, you turn away from that, God says, you can have that relationship restored to the way that God would want it to be. So I want to encourage us as we think about in our relationships with each other, the vertical, the horizontal relationships that we have with each other, how are you going about trying to fix some of those relationships that might be messed up? And then looking at the vertical relationship and understanding that in the end, these relationships horizontally will never be the way they're supposed to be if this relationship vertically is not right. You will never have the relationships with each other that you're supposed to have if you don't have the relationship with God that you're supposed to have. Because God's the one that can bring that reconciliation that we so desperately need in our personal lives and in our country. I truly believe that. So let's stand together as we pray. Lord, thank you so much for, for loving us. Thank you so much 
for bringing the reconciliation that we couldn't do on our own. But we know that there's nothing that we can do on our own to be made right. It's because of what you did. That what we have to do is just admit that. And we have to put our faith in you. And trust that what you did on the cross was enough. Lord, we, we love you. We praise you for, for loving us as undeserved as that is many times. And we pray that as we go throughout this week that you'll help each one of us as we look at the relationships around us. Find out what it is that we need to do on our part to make them right. But most importantly, Lord, looking at our relationship with you and saying, Lord, is that relationship right? And starting there and moving out from there. In Jesus' name, amen.